Morning, guys, welcome. What an incredible day. We could, we could go home right now and it would be great, but we're not going to. All right. Hey, guys, uh, well, that was phenomenal. I mean, uh, Tim is right. You can't make that up. That, that just doesn't happen uh, unless God's had a hand in it. And that's what I love to see when God does some incredible things and he just pulls one out and you're like, how could God do that? We need to continue to pray for Corey. Uh, guys, um, we live uh, and serve an amazing God and we are thrilled you're here today. To worship with us. Um, my name is Randy, and if I haven't met you yet, it's good to have you with us in our worship time together. Uh, you're here a great day. We are beginning a new series today, a series that we call in Timeless. Uh, for a few weeks, we're going to talk about some things in life that are timeless, some things that, um, that are relevant to every day of our life. You know, there are some things in life that are not restricted to a specific period or time. There are some things in life that are always in fashion that last forever. And we call those things timeless issues or timeless values. Now compare that to the world that we live in today and where things are constantly trending. You know, that's a word. Whoever heard, I mean, we knew the word was there, but we didn't use the word trending a few years ago. But now it's very common. Oh, that's trending. You know, what's trending here? What's trending on Twitter? You know, what are we hearing about? New things coming down the road constantly. There's a website, what's trending, that you can look on. You know, uh, Michael Phelps is going to race a shark. That's trending this morning, all right? There's constantly things are coming at us all the time that we're hearing, and, and we, we try to keep up with those things. And, uh, and so I wanted to bring something to you that was trending a few years ago. In fact, it was several years ago um, that I, I happened to run across this thing that some of you are going to remember and, and some of you aren't. But this is, uh, anybody remember this? This was a modern camera, an invention. It, it is a camera. It's called a Big Shot. And I think about 1971, so some of you are really dating yourselves when you admit that you know what this is, all right? Uh, now we whip out our, our iPhone and take a color picture and everything, but, but back in the 70s, this was super cool. In fact, Andy Warhol, this was his favorite camera back in the day uh, because it would take instant pictures. And you don't know that. You loaded the film in there. If you didn't want to wait you know, to get them developed, send it off for days, weeks maybe, you could take this instant camera, throw a pack of film in there, snap a shot with a little flash here, pull it out, hold it, how long? A minute or so. Had to wait about a minute, and it actually developed before your eyes. So that, that was a, a pretty super cool thing that was back in the day. But you know what? That's out now, right? You go walking around taking pictures with something like that, and people will think you're crazy, all right? But that was trending back in the day. Things come and go, come and go. You know, uh, today, we, we, there are lots of things that are there for a time, and then they're gone. Yeah, skinny jeans, you know, are, they're out, all right? For some of you that didn't know that, I don't know if they were ever in to start with, all right? But they were trending in some settings at one point. But guys, here's some, uh, here's some good news for you. Here's a principle that we want to state today and come back to. In a trendy world, the best things in life are timeless, in a trendy world, the best things in life are timeless. So we're going to talk about some timeless things throughout for the next couple of weeks are here. Some things that never go out of style, some things that are always relevant, some things that are always applied to our life, always fit the situation, always fit every person. Now, it's okay for us to know what's going on. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with us being aware of what's trending and what's happening out there. In fact, as Christians, we have to be able to have conversations that are relevant with people. We have to kind of know what's going on in the world so that we can address that and tell people that Jesus is the solution to that or how Jesus is timeless in that situation. But it's not okay to let these things impact and control our lives. 
Can you imagine what it would be like if you tried to keep up with every trend and you just decided to get on, the, on board with every trend? I mean, you would be all over the place. You would drive yourself crazy trying to be in at the moment, trying to get this and get that, and, and, and it, would be, uh, it would be crazy. So in this series, we're going to take two or three weeks here, and we're going to look at some ways that we can live our lives in such a way that we make an impact on the world now and forever. We're going to look at, at some values for the next few weeks, some truths that will not go away, some things that are just going to get better and gain, gain greater value over time, some things that are not like this. You know what? Not like this. It's going to come and then it's going to go. So let's talk about some timeless truths for the next couple of weeks here. Today, we're going to talk about one that might surprise you a little bit. It might surprise you because you might say, oh yeah, I know that's going to be really important someday, but why is it important now? Why is it important to, to, to talk about this issue? And the issue is eternity. That's a pretty big issue when you think about it. One day, eternity is going to be everything. It's going to be all you think about. It's going to be where you live, what you're doing at the moment. But you may wonder, why do I need to think about eternity today? I mean, if time goes on like it is, won't that be a long way off? You know, why think about something today that I don't have to think about till tomorrow? Unfortunately, a lot of us live our lives like that, not only in spiritual issues, but other things as well. And we're careless with what we have. We don't think about planning for tomorrow and what that might mean. We live for today. But the reality is, if you truly understand how important eternity is, then you will also understand how it can and should affect your life in the moment today. So let's talk a little bit about what eternity will be like. Obviously, eternity is going to be different for different people. Eternity is going to go one or two ways, obviously. There are going to be some people who spend eternity in heaven and some people who spend eternity in hell. I mean, that's just the simple reality of it. A lot of people think about heaven. We like to, you know, talk about heaven, but, but a lot of people don't like to think about hell. And it's not really honest, to be, uh, to be honest with you. It's not honest to, uh, to think and, and believe in heaven if you don't believe in hell. So you've got to believe in both of them if you believe in either one of them. You know, somebody said, and we've heard it, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And that really is the truth. We're not looking forward to that moment, but for the believer, passing from this world to that world is a great thing. We shouldn't begrudge. We shouldn't even grieve, although it's human. We shouldn't grieve when we know someone is leaving this world to go to heaven because it's just going to be that good. Heaven is, is, is awesome, and most people understand that it's real. You know, I was reading some stats the other day that said that 81% of Americans believe in heaven. 81%. I mean, what else is there in our world today, we're so fractured, that 81% of the people would agree on in this country? Not very many issues. So if 81% of people agree there's a heaven, then, then we got to understand that that's pretty commonly accepted. But at the same time, that same 81% of believers or people admitted they had no clear understanding of what heaven would be like, what eternity would really be like for us when we get to heaven. For a lot of people, it's really confusing, and it's kind of, a, you know, so abstract, and it's almost irrelevant to today. So people guess about what heaven might be like, and people joke about what heaven might be like, and how St. Peter's going to be at the gate in whatever condition he might let people in. You know, we hear those jokes all the time. We imagine a lot of, of clouds that are fluffy and, and wide in one great big room, and white robes, and angel wings, and harps, and singing. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't like, I don't like harps 
music that well. I've never played a harp. Don't think I could. You know, it sounds kind of boring, really. Or maybe you picture uh, from the movies this idea that heaven is a, 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 a floor in a, a, a big building uh, that Morgan Freeman is mopping, and that's heaven to you. I, I'm wondering where that came from, and I'm wondering if heaven is going to be manual labor, I'm mopping all day. I don't even like to mop, you know. Uh, uh, don't do it that I don't know where that came from. Is heaven going to be enjoyable, or is it going to be work like that? It's hard, hard to understand. You know, I've heard people say, you know what, I want to go to hell because hell's going to be a lot more fun because all my friends will be there. And I want to tell you something. There will not be one element of hell that's fun, none at all. So don't be thinking that we're all going to go there and have a big party. You know, hell is going to be a, a place of being separate, so you won't have anybody that you know around you that you'll get to talk about and, and visit with. Hell will not be anything at all like that. Hell will not be fun. But heaven, I believe, will be fun. Heaven will be enjoyable. It's positive, something to look forward to. And we need to anticipate and, 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 and think about how wonderful it will be there. You know, here, here's the thing. When we had the wrong mental picture of what heaven might be like, we tend to focus on today because we are not sure that eternity is going to be better than it is today. For a lot of people, life is really, really good. And people say, I just don't want to leave this life. I don't even want to think about anything beyond. So what am I going to do? I'm going to live for today. I'm going to get all I can out of life. And I'm not even going to think about eternity. I'm not even going to think about what it might mean to get there or how to get there or what I need to do here to make sure that I get there. But when we understand what the Bible teaches about heaven, I believe... I think it not only gives us a greater vision for heaven, but it also gives us a greater vision for living each day of our life here. How life ought to be different now in view of looking forward. I don't know who it was who first coined the phrase, living with the end in mind, or the phrase, living life backwards. But it's the idea that we need to clearly define what we want in the future, what our God-given purpose is, what our God-given goal is in life. And if our goal is to be in heaven with him someday, which it should be, then we ought to start living now to ensure that we fulfill this purpose and reach that goal. That is that we need to live life with the end of it in mind. Live life with the end of it, in fact, past the end of it in mind. And if we were to kind of wrap our heads around that, it would make us think about what we're doing with our life, how we're spending each day, how we don't even have the next day promised to us, and so every day needs to be valued. Every day needs to be lived carefully with consideration and thinking about the end in mind as we're living each day. We're going to come back to that a little bit later here. But what does the Bible say about heaven? I think we ought to be heavenly focused and goal focused, and so that means that periodically we ought to think about heaven. We ought to think about what it could be like. And a few weeks, or a few months ago, actually, uh, I did a little series on heaven and hell and, and judgment. You might want to go back online if, you, uh, if you'd like to, if you missed that, and catch it up. But, but, but I want to encourage you to think about what the Bible says about heaven and how it describes it. In fact, it describes heaven as a grand place somewhere in the clouds up there. Now, that's the whole idea. The Bible says that when Jesus was here and he went back to heaven, where did he go? He went up there. He went up into the air. They saw him go into the clouds, and he said, hey, I'm going to come back in a similar way uh, in which I went up. And so everything that we read about in the Bible is kind of like up there. Heaven's up there somewhere. And the Bible says that Jesus is preparing a place for us there, and that one day he will come back 
to get us and take us away to be with Him. And when that happens, then our eternity will actually begin. So that's kind of an overview of it, that eternity begins whenever we die or whenever Jesus comes back, whichever one happens first. And, uh, and that's kind of the, the idea of, of the, uh, the, our coming into heaven or being there with Jesus. But I want to look at a couple of misconceptions that I think we have about heaven that will maybe clarify some of the things that we've always thought or we've kind of uh, just taken for granted, um, maybe some misconceptions. Here's the first one, and listen cl- closely because you might be surprised. Here's the first misconception. Believers in heaven will spend eternity in heaven as described in the Bible. Believers in, in Jesus will spend eternity in heaven as described in the Bible. Now, that sounds right, doesn't it? It's like, okay, that, that makes sense. That's what the Bible says, right? But, but there's a little difference in there. There's a tweak, and I want to challenge your thinking about where heaven might be because uh, listen to a couple of verses of Scripture. Isaiah 65, God says, see, I will create new heavens and a new earth. Isaiah 66, as the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. And then 2 Peter 3, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I I would imagine you caught that phrase a couple times, a new heaven and a new earth. Now, what does it mean about there being a new heaven and a new earth. What, what, is, what is the Bible talking about? What's God in the Old Testament, Peter in the New Testament? What's it all about? Well, there's a, there's a guy named Randy Alcorn. He's written a book uh, entitled Heaven. And, uh, you know, you might call it the Bible on heaven, uh, but, but uh, it's not inspired, but he's done a ton of study, probably more than anybody I know. And he's written this book, and it's a, a big, thick book about what heaven might be like uh, according to what the Bible says. And here's what he says. He says, when, when the Bible talks about heaven now, it's somewhere up there, another dimension, where Jesus is preparing a place. But when Jesus returns to call an end to the world as we know it, there will be a transformation. Believers will spend eternity in heaven. More specifically, believers will spend eternity on the new earth. Now, that's a little challenging for us, isn't it? Because when the Bible talks about heaven we understand, you know what, it's, it's up in the clouds somewhere. And yet, you know, um, obviously astronauts have been up into the clouds, past the clouds, miles up in, you know, and we hear about uh, the, the, the space, um, the Hubble camera. You know, we hear about all those things, and nobody has got a picture of heaven up there, somewhere in the clouds, far beyond what we can imagine. So it's hard for us to understand that. But let me tell you, just because there's, they've not got a picture yet doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Heaven is there. We don't know exactly where it is. Uh, there's, an, in, there's a point where we can't go. Maybe that's where heaven is. You know, we don't understand. But, but with what the Bible says is that when Jesus comes back, things are going to change. It's going to be not the heaven that we think about, but instead a new heaven and a new earth. So I want to challenge you not to look up in the clouds to see what heaven might look like. You know, maybe that's where we get our concept of, of heaven being clouds and, you know, and puffy white uh, because that's all we can see when we look up in the sky, right? Maybe that's where that idea came from. We don't look up in the clouds to see where heaven might look like. I think we look around at the present beauty of our earth and imagine what it would be like if it were magnified, if it were magnified. You know, I, I've shared uh, once, but it, it was such an impactful dream I had. I don't dream a lot, and normally when I dream, I can't remember anything I dreamed a little bit later. But I do remember this dream so vividly. 
And this was many years ago, uh, several, uh, 10 years or more ago that I had this dream. And this dream, I, I remember I was looking over this landscape and there were tons of people there. They were obviously gathering for something. Uh, it was a park, or, but there were a lot of people and it was a beautiful day. I mean, just one of those summer days and families were meeting and playing and, and just beautiful. But all of a sudden, something happened and there was like this wave of color that came across that scene. And it was like an artist which with one stroke just repaint everything, the most vivid colors you can imagine. And, uh, and suddenly it was so bright and what I thought had been beautiful before was made so much more beautiful now. And something in me said, okay, that was like just a picture, a symbol. I, you know, it wasn't an inspiration or anything, but, but to me it was very real about what it might be like with a new earth, a, a new heaven being brought in here, having a new earth. Alcorn says, we can say heaven will be our eternal home, or we can say earth will be our eternal home, but we shouldn't say heaven, not earth, will be our eternal home, because the heaven in which we'll live will be centered on the new earth. Now, what, is the, what does new mean there? There's a lot of questions, maybe more questions than answers, but what does the word new mean? Well, obviously, there are different sorts of new, right? It doesn't mean brand new. It doesn't mean unheard of or unseen or unexperienced before. What it means is to restore something back to its original intent. To say like, like you say, well, I did, I, I did that and now it's like brand new. You know, it, it's not, it doesn't mean it didn't exist before. It means it's, it's perfect now. And so when I read that, I thought, you know what? That sounds to me like the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden, read about it in the Bible, right? The perfect creation when God made everything and made Adam and Eve and put them there in the garden. And then something happened, isn't it? Something happened there because, because of the fall, it was marred and they, they lost that beauty. The garden that had been perfect where everybody got along, where Adam and Eve, you know, had no conflict where the animals, they, they spent time and even the wild animals were pets and the animals got along with each other and and Adam and Eve walked and talked with God. Everything was perfect. When sin came, all that was shattered. All of it was broken. So, so the new earth may well be this earth redeemed and restored to its original design when God made it in the first place. Because after, after sin came, it was so wrong and so different. Now, we live in a, in a beautiful world today, right? Can you imagine things being more beautiful than they are today? I mean, some of the days we've been having, these incredible summer days... I mean, you know, the flowers and the grass and the brightness and the sky and everything is beautiful, especially here in the beautiful state of Kentucky. There are no flaws. Amen. Man from Kentucky. But, no, there, you know, there, but there are flaws out there, aren't there? I mean, there are dead trees that are standing that, that kind of, you know, they take away some of the beauty and there's trash alongside the road. There's homes that people don't keep up and there's some beauty out there. But can you imagine if everything were just perfect? And I think heaven, to help us maybe understand and make it a little more real, heaven, I think, is going to be more like a perfect day here on earth than it's going to be like floating around on clouds in the air. Maybe that helps you a little bit. A perfect day. You ever had one of those days you're like, this is just about perfect. I mean, there are issues out, out there, but this is just about perfect. You know, I think about Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve didn't walk around and go, man, this is really nice, but one day we're going to die and we're going to go to heaven because they were living in heaven. They were living in what was perfect at the time until it was all broken by sin. The Bible says that Jesus came to our earth to redeem God's creation that had been broken and shattered by sin, right? 
And the primary thing he came down to do was to redeem you and I because of our brokenness, because of the sin that's in our lives. And the Bible says that Jesus is currently making all things new. We even sing that. He's making all things new. He's making us new. He's recreating uh, us in his his own image. And I think, uh, obviously, the most important thing about heaven is not where it's going to be. It's not whether it's going to be up in the clouds somewhere. It's not where it's going to be here on the earth. The most important thing is that we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. And he's going to, he is making us new. We're going to be made new. So we have a new heaven and we have a new earth to look forward to, whatever that might mean. I don't think it's going to be a flight of uh, up in an apartment building or office building. I don't think it's going to be a place where St. Peter guards the gate. It's not going to be a place where we, you know, have clouds all around us. It's going to be a place of perfect joy. Let me give you another misconception, I think, that kind of mars our understanding of heaven. Here's another one. What you do on this earth determines whether you go to heaven, but once you are there, it's the same for everyone. That sounds pretty um, um, obvious to some people. What you do on this earth determines whether you go to heaven, but once you're there, it's the same for everyone. Actually, there's two misconceptions here. Two things that are kind of wrong. First of all, the Bible teaches the exact opposite of that statement. First of all, it's only by faith in Jesus Christ that we receive salvation and eternal life. It is not our good deeds. What we do on here on earth does not determine whether we go to heaven except for a choice that we make. That choice being whether we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It is only by faith in Christ. We'll come back to that a little bit later too. But the second error is that we will not all be rewarded the same. We won't be rewarded the same. Here it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now this was written to believers to remind us that God is taking notes, that God is watching us. You know, the Bible talks about there being a lot of different kinds of judgments. You probably read that and you thought, what does this mean and what does this judgment mean and everything? Obviously, those who do not accept Christ will not be in heaven. The Bible's clear about that, that the choice is here. We have it on this earth to make, and if we don't make it here, it can't be made some other time. It's too late. So those who do not accept Christ <coughs> at their death are pretty much judged, and it's not going to be uh, any other opportunities. But the Bible also says that those who do claim to follow Christ will still be judged based on our actions, not determining whether we get into heaven or not, because we are saved only through faith, not by any of our goodness, goodness, but uh, we're going to be judged. Our actions do not save us, but they do determine our reward. Our actions don't save us, but they determine our reward. There's pretty good evidence in the Bible of individual rewards in heaven. And and that only makes sense when you think about it. I mean, there are some people who we're only going to get in by the grace of God, right? We all are, but I mean, some are just by the grace of God. I I like what Paul says in Corinthians where he says that some, you know, one day the fire is going to test our works and some of us are going to get in just slipping out of the house with nothing on our backs but the clothes on our backs and we're going to smell like smoke basically, but we just got out and we got saved. But there are other people... There are other people who are filling their life and laying up treasures in heaven by being obedient to God and serving God. I mean, you think about people, you think about the, the person who dies for their faith, who stands up and gives a testimony publicly knowing they're going to die for their faith, kind of the martyr's reward. You think about people who sacrifice, you know, willingly and give and give. And you think about people who, who, are, who share their faith 
And, and you think about people who make huge sacrifices, who endure uh, hardships throughout life, who are faithful. The Bible talks about that our actions don't save us, but they, they do determine our reward. So how I live my life impacts what my life will be like in heaven. I don't understand where that goes from there, to be honest with you. But I do think the Bible implies that. I think the Bible says that God knows what you're doing right now. So here, here's the point. In light of this, every day matters. That's where I wanted us to get to today. Every day matters. A lot of us feel like that your life doesn't matter. <laughs> matter. Maybe you feel like each day of your life doesn't make a lot of difference. It doesn't impact or change anything. But in light of this truth, every day matters. So if you are a Christian and you do business with integrity and honor God in that, one day you will stand before God and he will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Come on in. If you're, if you're a person and you're a Christian and you live a pure life and, and resist the temptations that, that life throws at you, God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. If you're a person and you take a difficult stand for Jesus, He's going to say, well done, because he sees all those things. So here's my challenge for you today. If, if you struggle with this, and if you've never connected the two, if you've never thought, well, what does, you know, eternity is far away, but how does it relate to today? If, you don't, if that doesn't connect well, here's my challenge to you. Make one decision this week that reflects the truth about eternity with God. Make one intentional decision. Actually, try to make more than one, but if you're not in, in practice, just try one time. To do one thing that reflects it and note that and say, this is what it means to think about living today in light of eternity. It means how you treat your spouse. It means maybe about how you re re relate to your coworkers, how you think about your neighbors, how you walk across the street <coughs> and talk to them about Jesus. Maybe it's saying no to some temptation. Maybe it's saying yes to giving. Maybe you've never given to God financially because you think it takes everything you have to live for today. Maybe that's a big deal for you. And you say, you know what? Today's the day I take a risk and I see if God knows what he's saying when he says trust him. Maybe it's serving. Maybe you've never done anything for anybody else or for God. And you say, you know what? I'm going to try serving somewhere. I'm going to do something because how I live my life today will impact how I live my life in eternity. Maybe you put aside what you want personally. You do something for God or for other people. So I would encourage you and challenge you to spend your life in a way today that will be timeless and will look toward eternity. Walk around and view life around you with a new awareness of what this life is taking toward and what opportunities you have in order to serve Him. Now, if you're not a Christian, this is a huge thing. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have not given your life to Him, and you've not been born of the water and the Spirit, just like we saw Corey a little bit earlier. If you've not experienced that, then the challenge for you today is to make that decision. Because if you continue on the life path that you're on now, and you don't give your life to Christ, you're going to follow a broad path to destruction rather than choosing the narrow path to life. That's what the Bible is very clear about. So I want to just challenge you to live your life today with the end of it in mind. Not living for the moment, not living with, you know, and focusing on this trend, what's trending today, and, you know, what's important and chasing after that, but looking far beyond the moment, looking into eternity. Live life today as if it will determine your eternity, because it will. Not your goodness, but your decision about Jesus.
And remember that Jesus is the only way to experience eternal life and blessing and and joy that we find in heaven. He is the only way to heaven. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Because I, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more aware I am about doing what matters. For one thing, I think I have a little more energy than I used to. I could expend energy before, and I had it to spend, you know, but now I really want to be more efficient in life. I'd like to do things that really matter. I don't want to do things that don't matter. I don't want to do things I have to do over again. I'd like to think I'm more efficient in life, and what I do matters more, wouldn't you? I don't want to spend my wheels. I want to get traction. Now, to do that, we've got to kind of live life with that thought in mind. There are plenty of things in life that pull us in and suck us in. There are plenty of things to keep us busy, but I want my life to matter and to make a difference And I don't want to be swayed by every trend that comes down the road. I might know about it, but I don't want to chase after it. I want to live my life in a timeless way and understand that only what is done for Christ is ultimately going to matter. All these other things I'm doing, they may or may not be significant. They may not amount to anything. But what I do for Christ will matter. It will last. It will be timeless. And that's my challenge to you today. If you've never given your life to Christ, I would love to have a conversation with you. Or maybe you feel like as a Christian, you've been spinning your wheels. and It's time to get, get in gear and get some traction on that. And I'd love to talk to you about that as well. So you can see me afterwards or contact me in some way. But I hope this has been challenging. And I hope you get a bigger picture than today, than the moment, that you look at things that are timeless. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. And Lord, thank you that life is not just the moment we live right now. God, thank you that, it, that life is good. But thank you that there's so much more. And so, Lord, as, as we come today, all of us just frail humans and struggling to do our best, uh, give us grace, give us strength, and help us live life today with eternity in mind. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.